Good evening. It is good to see each and every one of you. You know what? It's good to see the conversations happening and you fellowshipping with one another. And that's good. That's a blessing. It's good to see you. It is our privilege to have Professor Joe Warrington this evening as our preacher. Would you welcome? Amen. Let us all stand this evening as we call upon the Lord and we lift our voices to God. Isaiah 26 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. The rock eternal. And, and we, we come before him this evening. We worship him, our great God, whom we place our trust. Let us sing. You may be seated. Would you, would you allow us to pray together? Our Father, your greatness surpasses our wildest imagination. You are awesome. You are powerful. And Lord, you have chosen to meet with us, to dwell among us as our God. And so for that, we give you thanks and we give you praise tonight. We lift our hearts. And thank you from deep within. And we say, bless God forever. Amen. 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 It's good to be here with you tonight. Amen. And I uh, want to uh, share a passage of scripture with us tonight from the book of uh, St. John. The Gospel of John, chapter 4 tonight, is where we'll spend a little time. And uh, I'd like to read verses uh, 46 through 54. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, so if you can follow with me, whatever tr translation you have, that'll be fine. Would you stand with me as we read? It's, uh, I just, I'm just used to that when we read Scripture to, to honor the Scripture. Amen. Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, sir, come down before my, son my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son lives. Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, 
the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Amen. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. You have uh, probably heard the saying, seeing is believing. How many of you have heard that? Okay, we're in good company then. It, it most likely originated from the conversation the Apostle Thomas had concerning the resurrection of Jesus. If you recall, the, uh, he said something like, um, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. It's John chapter 20, verse 25. In response to Thomas, Jesus said, uh, reach here with your finger and see my hands and, and reach here with your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. It is on that memorable occasion Jesus uttered a most sublime beatitude. He said, because you, have seen me, because you have seen me, have you believed? And then here is the beatitude. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. You know that includes us? We did not walk the dusty roads with him. We never saw the prints as the apostles did. But you're here tonight because we believe. We believe. Seeing is believing. Now, there's a, a, a pet star that's made its rounds around. Some of, I, I, I came on email and so I went to YouTube and, and uh, I, if I had told you about this parrot, this pet star, you wouldn't have believed. But I want you to see so you can believe. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pet star Einstein. You would not have believed me if I told you that a parrot could do all of that. But seeing is believing. You know, our text tonight there's a fascinating story that unveils the need to believe without the, the aid of props, known in the text as signs and wonders. Jesus had been down south to celebrate uh, one of the national feasts, namely the Feast of Passover. And it was on this particular occasion that he had cleansed the temple and uh, try to restore his father's house into a place of true worship. Some Galileans had followed him south and were captivated by uh, the miracles that he had performed. 
uh, in and around uh, Judea and, and around Jerusalem. We find that in Jerusalem they, uh, had, they had raised some hostility towards him and, and uh, played and simple they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. In Jerusalem, of course, the center of the Jewish faith, where all the doctors of Judaism presided over the national life of, of uh, Israel. He found resistance. He found unbelief. It was in the region of Judea, his own birthplace, if you recall, where his tribal heritage had been strong. The tribe of Judah and Benjamin was part of the south, Judah. Judea. Earlier in the same Gospel of John, the evangelist recorded the attitude of the people when he wrote, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. John 1, 11 and 12. You see, in Jerusalem they impressed, uh, they were impressed with his signs and wonders, but their faith was shallow and superficial. The same could not be said for what he encountered during his journey back from Judea. If you recall earlier in the chapter, chapter 4 that we are working with, uh, our text, uh, we see Jesus in Samaria on his way back from Judea to Galilee. First, he ministers to a broken woman whose life, the old song says, was wrecked by sin. She soon became a messenger of the good news by running to her village and calling the villagers to come see a man. They could easily have said to her, Oh my, another man? That was intended to be a joke. <laughs> but she convinced them to see Jesus, to come see Jesus. Listen again to John's account from the city of Sychar. Uh, he says, Many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. He's moving to the region of the Galilee. So Jesus leaves Samaria after two days of ministry among folks who were glad to have him, folks who were delighted with him and his teaching. When he arrived in the region of the Galilee, and more specifically in the town of Cana, where our text picks up tonight, he has some history in Cana, if you recall, and our text reminds us that he made the water wine in Cana, his first miracle. You see, the sign recorded by John was wrought in the realm of creation and joy at this wedding feast in Cana. 
The sign of cleansing the temple was wrought in the realms of worship when he went in and, and cleansed it. Now in this third miracle that is recorded here for us, the second one in Cana, of course, power is seen operating in the realm of disease and sorrow. Let's follow the story. The man from Capernaum, he is described as a royal official, and he is. In fact, the word used to describe him is the Greek word basilikos, which means a king's man, a royal official, a royal man. Uh, it appears that this man either worked for King Herod Antipas, who had his, his uh, center there in Galilee. Or maybe he served the emperor in this region. But he came to Jesus, imploring him, begging him to come down to Capernaum to heal his son. You see, he had heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea and somehow had some faith in the power of Jesus to heal his son. Otherwise, he probably would not have made a trip like this to see Jesus some 20 miles north. His faith in Christ begins out of a deep interior awareness of grave need. His son is at the point of death. It is out of this grave need he has sought the help of Jesus. The need is intensified by the apparent disinterest on the part of Jesus. Jesus throws him a roadblock, a test as to the grounds of his faith. Here's what Jesus says, verse 48. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Whoa. The man is not here to discuss theological lines about the country in its unbelief. He's in desperate need of help for his son. In fact, the word that is used, that he used to describe his son is my little child. A term of endearment. My little child is at the point of death. I, I don't have time to discuss what others are thinking about you and, and all the theological discourse. And, and, and so, uh, at this point, this man's faith is, is, is based on having a sign, if we notice what's happening here. Uh, and the sign goes something like this. Or something like this. Jesus, you travel with me to Capernaum. You come, come to my home. You, you can touch my son or say some prayer over him, some magic words over him, and, and I know he'll get better. At least that's the extent of his faith. It's, it's come with me. This roadblock was not to discourage the man, but to give to him the true grounds of believing. The true grounds of believing Jesus. 
That's what Jesus wants him to have. Uh, what it is to, what he must ground his faith in. You see, it must be grounded on the words of Jesus. It must be grounded upon the character of Jesus, not a sign, not a magic word. We, we, we like him, like this kingman, this royal official, must trust the character of Jesus and act upon the integrity of that character. That's the lesson that I want to live with us tonight. And by the way, this was not the first time we see Jesus throwing out some roadblocks as a test to genuine faith. In, in fact, in this very same chapter, we talked about the Samaritan woman. He threw a roadblock that went something like this. Go call your husband and come here. Go call your husband. Verse 16 of chapter 4. No doubt this was the last place she wanted Jesus to go digging into her private life. It's a roadblock. We were doing fine until you start meddling in my private life, Jesus. But, but she will overcome that. She, she could have become discouraged and turned away from him, but she did not. In, in fact, there's another roadblock I find in a couple chapters down the road in chapter 6. Many folks are following Jesus. Many of them. And then he throws a curve. At them. He throws a roadblock. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you won't have any part of cannibalism, Jesus. We, we are nice folks, Jesus. We, we, we're gentle folks. We, uh, we're not cannibals. What are you talking about drinking your blood and eating your flesh? <sighs> and, and, and the Bible says many left him. They got discouraged. He was trying to refine their faith and, 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 and bring them to himself. That the reality of who they believed in and what they believed in was based on who he was, his flesh and blood, in what he was going to do for them at Calvary. And so there. So he's used to doing that, throwing roadblocks. Find that in John chapter 6, verse 53 through 60. So this, this was a. Uh, this, this roadblock to the man from Capernaum was, was directed not only at him but to the folks in Galilee in general. Notice that he used the plural form. He says, unless you people. He didn't just say to, unless you, singular. You, you see some signs, some miracle, some, something that shakes things around. You won't believe. He said, and, and, and I believe he was referring not only to the folks in Judea. Earlier in the chapter, he says, a prophet is not of any honor in his own country and own town. But there was a group of Jude of Galileans that had made the trip with him. See that in our text. Uh, verse 45 actually tells you that. They had, they, had, they had made the trip 
to Jerusalem to the feast, and they were now back. And they had seen the miracles that he had performed in the south, in Judea, in Jerusalem. And so they were all excited about this miracle man. And so this statement is not just for this man from Capernaum, Capernaum, but it is for the Galileans as well, especially those who had just arrived with him back from Judea. Unless you see miracles, unless you have a sign, you will not believe. Their faith was based on signs and wonders which needed to be corrected. Undeterred by Jesus' apparent insensitivity, the man continued to beg Jesus, to implore him, and say, come down to my house before my child dies. You're stalling, Jesus. And I don't have the luxury of time. When I left Capernaum, he was in bad shape. And Jesus would say, yes, and Jesus would say, no. Don't you like Jesus? Yes, your son will live. Yes, go away. Your son lives. That's the yes. No, I'm not coming to Capernaum. He believed the word that Jesus told him and went his way. If I was in his situation, I, I would have traveled straight home to Capernaum, wouldn't you? Well, it is likely that he did. Or it is possible that he spent the night at Cana Holiday Inn Express. If, if it is the latter then his faith was such that he rested so completely in the words of Jesus that he was content to spend the night and go home the next day. On the other hand, the end of the Jewish day is, is understood to be sundown. And the events prior to sundown may be referred to as yesterday. So when his servants came and, uh, and intersected him on his way home, and he inquired of them, well, what time? They said, yesterday, at one o'clock. So take your pick. I, you know, I, I just believe that the man went to sleep, pulled up at a, at a motel, a hotel. Uh, he can afford it, he's a king's man spend the night rested in the words of Jesus that your man, your son lives. Well, we, 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 we learn that. When they arrived, here's what they said to him, your son lives. Where had, had he heard that before? The exact words 
that Jesus had told him uh, the exact words that his servants now, uh, having come down from Capernaum, to, 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 to share with him this electrifying news that his son is alive, that he's not going to die, that this fever is broken, and, and that everything is going to be all right. He says, your son lives. He believed before he saw the sign. The sign came later. The healing happened. But after Jesus had said to him, your son lives, he went his way believing. That's the lesson that Jesus wanted to teach him. It simply confirmed what was already in his heart. Because Jesus had said so. What, what it is about, uh, what is, is it about this encounter with Jesus that caused him to believe? What, what happened? Was it the tenderness that came across even when Jesus appears to be throwing a roadblock and seemed disinterested in his desperate situation? Was it the majesty and the authority with which Jesus said to him, your son lives? Whatever he perceived of Jesus that day, it led him to believe that Jesus can operate by remote control. That the distance between Cana and Capernaum meant nothing to Jesus when it came to unleashing and exercising the power of God's, uh, the, the healing power of God. He learned that his faith was not based on the physical presence of Jesus, that he was now to live his life in, in a culture of faith, not based on the material, not based on what you could see or touch or feel. It must be based completely on the basis of the character and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the lesson Jesus was teaching that day. He had found so much unbelief in Jerusalem and Judea. The Samaritans had come along with him and they believed him. But in his own hometown of Nazareth, Mark tells us that he could do no great miracles there. Mark chapter 6, because of unbelief. The text says that uh, we're told that he believed, and, and not only so, but his whole household, that means his, his immediate family, his extended family, and all his servants, his slaves, they believed. They had witnessed the grace and the love of God extended to a little boy. They had seen that. They had witnessed that. The father came home a different man than he had left. The servants could not contain this electrifying news of life. They left Cana. They left Capernaum and went to Cana to share with their master. Your son lives. They believed. Tonight, you are here because some time ago, you heard the voice of God calling you to follow him. 
Sometime, though, in this journey of following Jesus, you will encounter some serious challenge, some, some situation that you cannot fix. You, you may be tempted to put out some fleece, wanting some sign that, 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 that the Lord is going to come through for you. It, it, this test, this challenge should, could come in the form of illness, maybe your own or, or your child or your spouse. It could come in the form of financial need or a broken relationship that causes you pain and anguish and you just cannot fix it. Whatever the problem, it seems that it is not going to go away. And you're praying and wanting to believe that, that help is on the way, and when God seems so far away to you, and you're faced with one roadblock after another, learn from this kingman from Capernaum, this basilicos, this nobleman, and ground your faith on the character of Jesus. Believe him even when everything points to despair and hopelessness and even the death of a dream. Believe him. Live in the culture of faith based on this very character of Jesus. My youngest daughter, she's now 19. When she was five years of age, she had her first asthma attack. We were in the house and I noticed something was not right. I, uh, she came running and she was frightened and then I got frightened. Her little chest was just pounding. I could literally see it. I put my hand and it was bouncing my hand back. Her heart was beating so fast her she could not breathe and, and I rushed her into the car and took her to Memorial Hospital and, and, and I didn't know what was going on. A crisis more. She stayed a few days in the hospital, getting her settled, putting on steroids to clear her lungs and to get her going. And uh, it, it challenged my faith. I thought we were going to lose her. I'd never seen anything like that. Didn't have that problem with my oldest two daughters. Um, that kind of, of, of immediate crisis. And the Lord helped me through this, reassured me that she'll be all right. Be all right. She is. He will not let your dream of a Bible college education die. He promised to supply your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It is not about you or about me. It is not about the economy, although we wanted to get better. It is about Jesus. It is about what he wants done in the interior of our lives. It is not about who gets elected, whether you're Republican, Dem Democrat, or Independent, or whatever your politics is. It is not even about the denominational affiliation, although we want you to plug in to somewhere that's good. It is about faith in Jesus based on his character 
and not on the trappings and trinkets of Christianity. You ought to be grounded and rooted and planted in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your son lives. Your dream leaves, lives. Your relationship healed. Your need supplied. Believe him. Not because you see it. Because you believe him. Don't quit on him. He will not quit on you. He just wants you to have the right kind of faith. That's it. A faith that will sustain you. A faith that is, that, that is undaunted by the roadblocks. It is not faith in faith, but it is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Son of God who loves you and has given himself for you, who lives in you. You have it. Nurture it. Cultivate it. Exercise it. Fan it. Don't let it go out. But most of all, live it out. Amen. Why? Live it out. Have a flair with it. It's not signs and wonders and magic words and fleece or any such thing. Even when you cannot see it, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. I don't know tonight what it is that is causing you discomfort and disequilibrium in your life as you're pursuing the call of God. But whatever it is, He can fix it. He can fix it. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Let's, let's close. Uh, Jonathan, come lead us in a closing song. And then we'll pray at the end. Amen. And we can trust him. Go in his peace. And keep him first in your life. God bless you. We are dismissed tonight. Amen.